The following is a Stick Boy We Talk production. The following contest scheduled for one fall. I am the man. If you're some man, put the rock in cooking. Welcome to the One Fall Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Johnson, and today we are without Josh Arbuthnot, but we are joined by the co-founder of We Talk Podcast, the Clown Prince of Charisma, the two-time G1 Pick'em winner for One Fall We Talk. It's Morton. How are you doing? Yeah, no, it's... uh. Two times, so that's, that's all. I guess I'll have to win a third, third time this year. It's coming up pretty damn soon. I'm looking forward to it. I actually watched uh, the last couple of days here. I've watched like the summer struggle in, uh, and uh, watched Kenta versus Tanahashi have an incredible match. Watched the Dangerous Techers against Naito and Sonata. They're just phenomenal. And uh, Tanahashi and Shingo, of course, uh, as good as it gets. Uh, they're they're, you know, they're really struggling. That that COVID is really hurting them over there, and hurting their attendance. But uh, as far as the wrestling, there is still just great wrestling happening from New Japan. Yes, and uh, I've not seen either show, but I have heard nothing but good things, and it's on my list to to get to to catch up and watch because I I love watching Japan. I always thoroughly enjoy it. So I still get... where the best matches is. Yes, absolutely. Like just. There's nothing quite like a New Japan main event where you, and especially with like right now having Shingo as I think it was absolutely the right call to put the title on Shingo, especially with Osprey being out. I think he's absolutely the guy that you can run with. It's a fresh face. Uh, it's a little shame because I saw who he's paired up with next, but I'm sure that they'll have a good match. They'll have a good match. It's a little bit tough because I think. Uh... Evil was something like they were mentioning it themselves. He's like two and seven in his last nine matches, and then he won one here, and then he got a pin in uh, in the tag match. But still, he's he hasn't had a great record, and and they they've tried. I mean, there's injuries, there's people that can't travel still really easily. I mean, they're trying to do their best, but it's uh, evil. They did their best to make him, uh, uh, you know, a, a top flight heel. It, just didn't quite work out no and uh it's hard to see him as a champion even though he has been before yeah i i i buy more into shingo being champion than i would uh uh evil yeah absolutely shingo this year so far is for me it's unquestionably as far as like in-ring work best wrestler of the year oh absolutely it's it's a slam dunk for in-ring he's he, I've, I've enjoyed Shingo for a while, and I'm really glad he's getting it. I, I never thought Shingo would get to this point. I really, I always thought he would get close, but he would never crack through. And thanks to COVID, I was proven wrong. I'm really glad I was. I'm really glad he's in the spot. I'm really happy for him. I'd like to get I, Shingo. Uh, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I didn't think he was going to break through to this level. I just, I was just skeptical it could happen, you know? And, uh, yeah, no, the, good on him. He deserves it. Yeah, and I just need him and Moxley one more time. 
So, <laughs> and, well, him and him and anybody would be good, but him and Moxley, Moxley, yeah, that was that was a tremendous match. But we're gonna see Moxley against somebody from New Japan. Oh, and we'll we'll get there. But we we obviously this podcast uh, is going to be more New Japan and AEW heavy, and we're gonna. Yeah, talk I'm ready to talk WWE if we want to. We'll we'll see. They might yeah. creep up. They they might need to get. Ripped it. Well, there was the conference call, so you know what? We'll slot we'll slot Vinny and the the crew in at one point before we leave, because it's always worth talking about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But we're gonna talk right so now. So worth it that they're doing forty seven movies on him, <laughs> or TV shows and stuff. There's a whole bunch in the works. We're gonna know what Vince had for breakfast in '86. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's all going to be. I'm guessing too. steroids. I would. I think it's a safe to assume there's steroids every. every for breakfast, way. he had steak and steroids. For supper, he had steak and steroids. And for <laughs> for lunch, he had steroids and steak. I thought there'd be a beef wrap in there somewhere. Yeah, probably. That's probably a midnight snack. You know, when you're a big bodybuilder, you got to eat a lot of times. So those guys are in like 10,000 calories a day. Guys like, uh, you know, Brian Cage, he's eating like 10,000 calories a day compared to the normal 2,000 for uh, an average adult. So that's, that's insane. That's the way it works. That's in, I could I would not have the discipline for that lifestyle. Uh, if you ate 2,000 uh, calories a day, you'd still weigh only 10 pounds more your metabolism was so fast i it's it's scary i just i just burn through stuff it's it it's it's both a blessing and sometimes like well i i should i should, I, I can i could gain weight i can gain weight and it's like no no but we we want we do want to talk about the highest ranked segment on aw this week uh, they did a million again. I believe this is the third week they've done a million or better. So they've, they've kind of hit a nice little sweet spot right now. There's a lot to be excited about with AEW, and we're going to get to that. But a story broke via Fightful and uh, Wrestling Observer that said Hangman Page will not be in the main event for All Out. And this has got some people a little bit, you know, worried that they might be missing the boat on Hangman Adam Page getting the big moment and getting a big pop and being white hot. I obviously want to get your take on is is this a miscue as well as the five on five match that happened uh, this Wednesday, this previous Wednesday. Yeah, I was immediately when it uh, when it, I mean it seemed like he was obviously going to be getting the title shot. I mean they built it. He was white hot. Uh, I was expecting. The problem was, you know, I was like, well, the storyline needs to be that he wins, you know, if he if he faces him. But it doesn't feel like the right time to take the belt off Kenny either. So it was one of those, uh, I'm not sure quite what they're going to do things. You know, I wasn't I wasn't 100% confident in which direction they were going to go, which is good. You know, I want to watch it, but uh, I, I was just expecting them to, to face off and to have it be a difficult match to call a winner, which is, you know, ideally what you're going to get anyways. Uh from there, the loss, I immediately thought, seems like a mistake because he's so white hot. And But if it's difficult to know which one, if it's not the right time to take the belt off uh, 
off Kenny, and yet the storyline is that Hangman can't lose. This just means that his journey is going to continue. It's just going to be, as long as it's good storytelling, I mean, and Cotter talked about this recently, your guys can lose, and they can it could look like they're down and out, but it could be just part of their long-term storyline. And if the long-term storyline is that he gets there and, and, and it's told right, then it's not going to matter. Eventually, yes, I know he's white hot now, but if, if, if the story is told right, he'll be right, white hot again, and we should see him um, get an incredible pop, and it'd be a huge moment uh, when he finally overcomes everything and becomes champion. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I, I don't have any reason to not trust the long-term storytelling at this point. No, and I... Kenny has proven that long-term storytelling is absolutely his forte. And there was a Reddit comment from Felon Felon Gray Days. And Sorry, I just got com- Just one second. Can you hear that banging? No, I can't hear that banging. Okay, good. Uh, you got wrestling happening at your place? No, I'm pretty sure somebody's overloaded the laundry machine in the in the uh, suite next to me. Ah. <laughs> it's making. Making an awful lot of noise. Uh, You're going to have to tell them we're live, pal. Yeah, we're live, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the comment from this Reddit user was, it's not bizarre at all. It's a continuing uh, continuing of the ongoing story for Hangman. Remember what Dark Order said to Hangman at the beginning of the month. We don't think you're scared of Kenny, but we do think maybe you're scared of failure. And it's okay to fail. As long as you get back on your horse, Hangman. Hangman was always meant to lose. His true test isn't beating Kenny, but facing failure and getting back up on the horse. And I think that is, I think that plays into this, where it is that moment where he's failed, and he's probably going to expect the Dark Order to bail on him like the Elite did, and they're not going to. They're going to rally behind him, and they're going to be like, "We still support you. We still believe in you." It took. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega cheating and the three the three probably most OP wrestlers they have in their promotion to put Hangman down. Mm-hmm. So Hangman does not look weak in this loss at all. Uh, and I think we are absolutely going to eventually get a payoff for this. But I feel with the incoming talent that you could potentially have, plus the talent that you currently have in Impact Wrestling that I think could play a factor in uh, Kenny Omega holding on to a title a little bit longer. Uh, I think I think the story for Hangman is accepting the failure and it not breaking him like it did when he lost to Jericho and then lost to Pac and then eventually lost uh, the tag titles and then lost to Kenny. Every every lot, big loss he's taken, he is, he is kind of gone further and further into it's, his it's shell. Furthered him furthered him into getting into the bottle, right? That's the storyline. You know, he, he you know he starts drinking again, he drinks worse. And again, it's a long-term storyline that that I mean, I like it. Uh I love long-term story storytelling and I I think back to when it used to be so hard to become champion before it seemed like everybody got a turn, you know, which is being what it is in WWE everybody gets a turn or you're there long enough you deserve it you deserve it and you know a guy gets it and it's like uh, back in the day it was rare for a guy to become champion and and the journey could be long and you wouldn't necessarily think he would get there and i think back to a guy like bret hart and and, you know he gets it and 
hey, man, it's just this part of this journey, definitely. I, I, who was it that said that? Somebody on a message board that's smart. I can't believe it. Yeah, there, there, there are a few gems occasionally. And I think that I think it absolutely – and I got to say, you, there's a reason why this was your highest rated segment, like the mm-hmm. highest interest rate, because Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are a draw. I'm sorry to anyone that's under the cult of Cornette. You're wrong. Numbers show it. And they're arguably your best performers that you have in your company. And Hangman Page and the Dark Order are lovable band of misfits. And they're no slouches in ring either. I think they've garnered a lot. Everybody in that company can work, you know. Maybe a couple exceptions of people that are a little bit weaker. But for a general rule, everybody in the company can work. Yeah, absolutely. And you saw how invested they are in everyone. Like the entrance for Hangman and the... uh, the Dark Order was incredible. I loved it. It was an incredible. It just it felt like they're invested in these guys. I got a message from uh, Adam saying this is a WrestleMania entrance for these guys. I'm like, yeah, kind of is. Like yeah. it was, it was awesome. Again, I, all I, of it, but so was the entrance for the other guys. I I I love the because uh, I loved like the original Space Jam to see them coming out like that. Just being cocky, douchebag heels. It was perfect. Callous with the short, short shorts. Like, it just, oh, yeah. it was perfect. And just the the North Carolina, like, because Kenny's really been playing into the North Carolina, Michael Jordan North thing. It's just, Carolina. It's just fantastic. I really, I really enjoyed it. It made, it just made that match. Uh, Stu Grayson took a nasty fall there, and that was, uh, that is definitely, that he definitely he overshot took, that. He took more than one nasty fall, but the one in particular that was brutal. Ah, uh, it just brutal. It, I couldn't believe it, he kept going. And it's good that I I wonder if the countout was just done to kind of protect him a little. No, I think that was the the plan finish. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But I thought I I enjoyed it. I I am enjoying, and you're left with a lot of wondering who's going to face Kenny. A lot of names floating around right now are Christian, but I was going to ask you, based on a guy in Impact Pro Wrestling, and depending on how you want to approach things, could the main event for All Out be Jay White versus Kenny Omega, the AEW World Heavyweight title and the Never Open Weight title on the line? It's possible. It's very possible. Because they're they're clearly building a storyline for them. And I don't see that storyline, even though Jay White's only been in Impact so far. I just cannot see that storyline, that match happening in Impact. Though, Impact is loading up Bound for Glory pretty good. So maybe it will happen there. Yeah, um, it, and that absolutely could be it. But I'm just wondering if you're gonna, if you're not going to do Hangman, having Kenny win a New Japan title would definitely appease your audience. Oh, yeah. Definitely keep them very happy and i believe i believe there's a match hey look christian got to buy the web massive pop that night too and i think i think you can christian's no slouch you can absolutely have christian work against kenny as well or so i'd like to see christian versus tanahashi i'm like i think that would be awesome oh yeah i think that that'd be a very slow methodical ring psychology uh match for sure and that'd be a great match as well uh, yeah, it would build for a while and just be awesome. Uh, but I, I look at that and I'm, I, I'm intrigued. 
And you know the one thing that I will say, when Hangman lost, everyone was talking about it being a punch, uh, punch in the gut and it being like just this punch that just uh, knocks the wind out of you. But a lot of people are like, I have faith in what they're going to do. They haven't let me down yet. So they're not just going to bury Hangman and have him uh, toil away into nothing. They are no. going to do something with him. It's not like WWE when a guy loses and then like two weeks later he's be- he's challenging for the belt. And you're like, then why did you lose? Why did you lose Ricochet lose to Robert Roode two weeks ago if he's going to be challenging for the belt? And, and <laughs> you know, in, in a few weeks later, like that type of deal where it's like there's no plan, right? There's a plan here. And um, the fact that people felt it was a gut punch is actually a good thing because it means they care. Because they care about the character. And that's, you know, that's uh, tremendous that they have have the characters that people actually care that much about. Yeah. And hopefully, I'm really hopeful that, because it is, you you are flipping a coin on what you want to do, either keeping... And it seems like they're going with Kenny keeping the belt. So you're really kind of flipping a coin here and hoping that Hangman will be still white hot next year. Because I imagine if you're going to hold on, you may potentially have Hangman wait till May of next year. Because Double or Nothing will be there, is technically their their WrestleMania main show. I think this is just going to make people want it that much more. And I, I think... I think Hangman benefits more from a chase. It'll be really interesting to see when, because I do think he will be champion, uh, and I do think they had have him not kick out of the One Winged Angel. I do think he's probably going to kick out out of the One Winged Angel uh, when it's time for him to win the title, and I think that will send the that'll just make the crowd more molten hot. Again, yeah, uh, nobody's kicked out of it. Protect it, and the first person that does kick out of it, it's going to be massive. And it would be perfect to be him. He needs to beat Kenny still for the title is the thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, plus, it, plus, if you're going to face people in New Japan, uh, honestly, if you're going to have him def- the title defended against people from New Japan, it means more for Kenny to defend it than it does for Hangman. Yeah. It's, you know. There's more of a story there. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just more logical. Yeah. And I, I trust the company. It's a gamble, and we will definitely be paying attention to how this plays out. But uh, I think it's a gamble that they are taking. But you know what? Sometimes you gotta you gotta roll the dice, and they haven't let us down really yet. So no, oh, exactly. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna shift the order of things a little bit here, kind of reflect the order of the dynamite. But Tony Khan had a big announcement, uh, and he did not appear on screen. Shivani was his stand-in. What did what quickly? What did you think of TK not appearing on screen? I like it. He said he doesn't want to appear on screen. He says he, he doesn't want to make it about himself. He wants to make it about the promotion and the wrestlers. I, I think that's the way to go. I'm, I'm sick of, you know, what's that? I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely yeah. agree. I think uh, I'm, I'm sick of, I'm sick of, you know, authority figures seeing on, uh, I'm being on TV. And if ever there's a storyline now where something happens and somebody does something so heinous, that he has to show up, that will just get across even more how heinous that act was, you yeah. know? So save it. I absolutely agree. Uh, but his announcement was, and this was uh, this was actually broke, the story was originally broke by uh, a person at uh, Body Slam Net. 
the one that broke Brian and Punk going to AEW. And this, he was proven to be right on this uh, United Center story. So it just kind of creates a little bit more of a maybe this guy has a little is a little bit more in the know of AEW stuff. So it just gives a little bit more uh, credit to him for a potential Brian Danielson and one Phil Brooks showing up. But AEW is running United Center. Oh, Phil Brooks is showing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I and it's funny United Center the ticket sales it looks like it's and we know be a who sell. he's facing. It's Darby. Yeah. Because the next segment after this announcement was Darby talking about best in the world. And the crowd popped for it. It's just, they're little breadcrumbs all episode about little references to Phil Brooks that I I absolutely think Punk's showing up. And more, I'm going to tell you why I think Punk is showing up, besides the money. I think Punk is showing up. It's less. It, I don't think it's really the money is is a, is the deciding factor. But go ahead. Uh, I I think one of the I think one of the big factors for Punk is this is probably the most electric feeling a big wrestling promotion has had in a long time. AEW was uh, NXT was a bit smaller. It still had a really nice buzz to it, but this feels electric. This feels like must-see TV week in and week out. It feels well, like it's you- actually growing. You know, we, we see that in the ratings. Three straight weeks of over a million, 1.1 million. You know, Raw is on its way to 1.4 million, the way they're going. And they're at 1.1 and growing. Uh, the gap is closing here, folks. Uh, and, and certainly in the 18 to 49. I mean, they did more. I know I know the NXT was on sci-fi this week. But nevertheless, they did more viewers in 18 to 49 than NXT did in total. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, they, it's absolutely, and I think that's absolutely why I think we're going to see Punk and Brian both in that company. Because I think you, you look at this, how can you not want to be involved with what they're doing? And especially with the, the other caveat of being you can work impact stuff, you can do uh, Japan stuff, and I think both those guys will want to do it. But just what are your thoughts on them running the United Center and it basically being a sellout with pre-sales? Like I said, I mean, it's, it's uh, extremely impressive. Remember that this whole thing started just a few years ago. It wasn't really that long ago. It was just three years ago. Um, could anybody besides WWE sell 10,000 tickets? That's how this all started. And Meltzer saying, and you know, now they're they're selling out. Uh, they're selling out things like the United Center in, in minutes, and they could have sold the stadium. And yeah, like it's the United Center is one of the WWE strongholds as well. That's another thing. They sold out one of the WWE strongholds. That's very impressive. And if Vince McMahon. There's either one or two things happening with this guy. Either when he says that he doesn't consider them competition, either either he is uh, trying to spin it so that so that they don't seem that big and not let anybody know how worried he is, or he thinks they're TNA and in Impact Wrestling and, and thinks that they're the same thing and he's not and that would put him out of touch because there's a world of difference between TNA even at its peak. And they were doing more more viewers than AEW does. But even at its peak, it was not the same buzz and momentum and and 
connection to their fan base that we see with AEW. They, the one thing that AEW has done really well is it feels like they respect their fan base. Mm-hmm. Feels like they look at their fan base and go, how do we work with you guys? How do we give you, like, not give you everything you want, but give you what you're asking for at the right time when it works works story-wise and everything kind of lines up? And I think that's why these, like, the United Center ticket sales, it makes me happy. It means that wrestling is very much alive. It means pro wrestling is still very much a thing. Uh, and, I mean, you look at you look at the ticket sales for, you look at how much... Like for them to do the United Center and then do the Sears Center and have so much in Chicago over the next month or so, because I think Monday Night Raw will be running Chicago as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot there. And for fans to say, yeah, I'm still willing to spend more money. I'm still willing to give you more money to go to these shows. I I don't know that it's the same fans going to both. No, it's it. But to say hey, I want to, oh, they're running United Center. I might not have been able to go to All Out, but I'm going to go to an hour taping of their new show, and I'm going to go watch. Yeah, yeah. And there's no advertisement for anything. They did not sit there and plainly say, Phil Brooks will be at this episode. No, no. They they might as well have. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When Darby Darby did that, you know, best in the world, then, then... that was pretty much that's what sealed it it's like there's no way that this isn't happening and if it doesn't happen then if it doesn't happen if punk's not showing up then this may be one of the single biggest uh uh boggles uh fumbles of this company's uh young history if they didn't if they would be but but there's no reason to think so far that they would make that kind of a boner you know no they they're and I don't, I don't think, I think Punk is showing up. I think Punk is showing up, uh, and I think Brian is showing up. I think, I think we're going. Oh yeah. Get, I think. Can you imagine Brian versus Tanahashi? That's the match. I'm like, they got to make that match. Uh, not that, not that Moxley won't have a good match with him. It's a little bit of an odd matchup style wise, but Tanahashi and Brian, I'm like, that would be the best of all of them. I think, I think you, I think you. I think that's a dome match. I think that's Tokyo Dome. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think I think you could I think you'd do that there, and I think that would be a that would be big for both guys. Uh, speaking of Tanahashi, he showed up and he said he'd like to challenge the next IWGP US champion. Um, and then my jaw hit the floor, and I was like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. And then. Canadians got screwed, but you can watch it later because uh, the the network screwed up uh, when they were supposed to roll their pitcher pitcher. But Moxley yes. calls Tanahashi, <laughs> and by all indications, it sounds like we're going to get John Moxley and Tanahashi in All Out because we weren't sure where Lance Archer and Tanahashi is going to happen. Well, it's happening in L.A. Morton. It's going to be happening there for the New Japan of America pay per view, and it just makes you think. That I think Lance Archer probably retains, but I do think someone attacks. Tanahashi. I think Tanahashi has to win. You think you think the belt's going back overseas? I think it's got to kind of. I think 
and it depends on how much Tanahashi is going to be in North America. I mean, you know, in, in America, I mean, who knows? He may not be going back overseas for a while. I mean, maybe he's going to work in the LA Dojo and train people uh, and, and that type of thing, right? So, I mean, Shibata's back over in Nagata right now is doing the training, and I can see that happening. Um, yeah, I, I really think that, that he's going to stick around, um, or at least there's a possibility, and I think that he's got to win it. I don't think you can have him come off a loss to Archer unless unless Moxley gets involved and have that have the same amount of heat. Uh, I think that would that would kill his heat. Now maybe he's a, such a legend that he can overcome it, and there's that argument can, can be made. But I I wouldn't do it personally. I I would have him win if you're going to book that match. I think it's yeah he's got to go over yeah. with uh, with Archer. And then, and I think he should go over with Moxley too, frankly. Yeah, I, and I think Tanahashi is gonna have a lot of fun at all out with Moxley, and I think you're gonna—he's gonna show up. In all likelihood, he's gonna show up and he's gonna work Mox at all out, and he's gonna feel the crowd. He's gonna feel the energy. He's gonna see everything. And how are you not going to get excited about something like that and be like, "Ooh, this is." And if he is sticking around, I, Tanahashi can do whatever Tanahashi wants to do. It's basically him and Okada can just do whatever they, they want, and New Japan kind of goes, oh, okay. I mean, Okada was like, yeah, I'm part of All In. Just just let you know I'm heading over there. And yeah, I mean, it's I'm, 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 if, if people that listen to this are not familiar with, ta- with Tanahashi, to give you the best... Um, Probably I could give you uh, something that you can, you know, judge, something you can feel and, and grab hold of to understand why this guy, we're talking about him in this way, is he's a combination of if you mixed Shawn Michaels with John Cena, you'd have Tanahashi. And that's the type of legend we're talking about, whereas he's as over with the crowd and as great the pure baby face, but also the worker and, and the storyteller at the level. And, you know, he's he's uh, one of the 10 greatest wrestlers of all time. I think that I don't think there's any question there. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And I think like he's he's going to have a banger. And I mean, the thing is, if Tanahashi's floating around, you can easily kind of have that idea out there that he's the guy that sent Kenny away in the same company. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you can float that idea out there. Especially I mean, if he beats Moxley, and you know, and it is let's say it's Cage and, and Omega wins, Tanahashi walking out at the end of the show and knocking him down. It, it would send like uh, how many buys do you think this thing is going to do? Because what's their so, record? They're like like two hundred thousand about about that is their record. Josh was asking uh, off air. With with the rumor with the rumors debut of Phil Brooks, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson, can AEW do a million buys? No, no, <laughs> no. But they could do four hundred thousand, which would be incredibly incredibly successful. Three hundred thousand, I think, is almost a lock at this point. Four hundred thousand is is possible. I mean, CM Punk it it's the, such a wild thing. He he did a, a million buys in UFC. Of course, you had two fan bases you were drawing from there, but I mean, when he was on top, there were still three million people watching Raw. 
you know uh i'm not saying it's an impossibility i wouldn't favor it no you know to to do more than four hundred thousand. but i suppose that uh let's put it this way if it did a million i'd be shocked but i wouldn't be amazed it uh it, it's very interesting to see. And like you said, if Tanahashi comes out and stares down Kenny, stories there, you're, you're saying. And if there's also the, yeah, I mean, if, if, if CM Punk is showing up and there's a tease, Daniel Bryan showing up, that's all you need. You don't need him actually announced. You just need, if you need CM Punk announced and then you need the tease. Uh, yeah. It's, it's potentially just massive. And absolutely, absolutely, and it's you, you've got a lot to be excited about with this company. But we're going to get to their second highest rated segment on Dynamite, which was the main event. Uh, I'd like to preference: I'm not a fan of deathmatch pro wrestling. It is not nope. for me. I do not like pizza cutters. I do not like cheese graters. I do not like light tubes. I do not like panes of glass. But you sound like Doctor Seuss. <laughs> Uh, damn it if Nick Gage and Chris Jericho didn't deliver something very different on TV. What do yeah. you think of the match? If it, was, it. it was it was what we knew it was supposed to be. And they they actually went out there and did it. And they I mean WWE wouldn't put on that match. Um they wouldn't put on that match except for on pay-per-view. They would never put that on Raw. Even back in the day at their most extreme, they wouldn't put that on, on you know, on Raw or SmackDown. It would have to be on it would have to be on a pay-per-view. But on a pay-per-view, they would they got that violent or pretty damn close, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, again, I'm not a huge fan of deathmatch wrestling, you know, a guy like Nick Gage. I don't think he it takes toughness, but it doesn't take talent. Is is the thing about it? Um, but you can't say it wasn't compelling to see Chris Jericho in fifty plus, you know, out there taking these brutal shots. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was car it was car crash television, but you couldn't look away. Yeah, no, and you couldn't. And uh, but. Uh, apparently someone definitely wants to look away and this was a risk that they ran with running this type of match and and apparently they told TNT and TNT had no issues they had no qualms with what they were doing but yeah. Domino's Pizza is not happy and for those oh, that don't know, the, don't know the story I used they, to work for Domino's Pizza they can kiss my ass uh, they uh, Nick Gage had a pizza cutter and went to go cut up Jericho's head and then was standing at the pizza cutter and then they went to pitcher and pitcher, and the first thing we see is Domino's Pizza. So pizza cutter and a pizza company, and they are very horrified by this, and they are not happy with this, and they are talking about pulling from AW. But I mean, your pizza company—they um, got more publicity out of this than they, you know, this has been so good for them. Please, yeah. please. And I mean, it's not like AEW is now going to run a death match a week. No. No. I, it's just ridiculous. I, I think it's ridiculous. I think they're, you know, they're trying to, 
they're trying to please somebody, but the truth is you're Domino's. You, you can use all the help you can get. You're not Pizza Hut. <laughs> uh, it's... You know, this was a risk that they ran, but no one's going to forget this match. No one's going to forget oh. what happened. Uh, the I think the my favorite moment from this was the pane of glass. If I had to pick a moment, it was the Hurricanrana onto the pane of glass. I think it was the light bulb on top of the head. To me, is the thing I, I most remember. The light bulb right in the top of the forehead, smashing. I was just like... And here's the thing is, as brutal as this was, I felt like Nick Gage was holding back from what he would do, from what he did against David Arquette and stuff. Oh, you know? man. Uh, and this is this is the biggest Nick yeah, Gage. Man, by the way, the crowd was... It was split 50-50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Despite the despite the storyline with uh with MJF, you know, people were into Nick Gage. Well, and you you we can divert for a second here, but uh, did you see any of uh, what happened with Matt Cardona, Zack Ryder, and Nick Gage at uh, Game? I, I I heard about it. I heard about the fans freaking out and throwing stuff in the ring and and such afterwards, which you? is stupid. Uh, I, I, the problem with that is. Matt Cardona is just doing what they paid him to do. You, you know, if you want to take it out on somebody, don't take it out on him. Don't buy a ticket next time. Um, yeah. Just don't buy a ticket because that's not, you know, it's it's not cool that you take take it out on the wrestler and potentially injure and, and the wrestler with dangerous stuff like that. It's they not, throw a pizza cutter at him. Yeah, it's not it's not cool. It's but, it's it, you know again it's it's all on the bookers and don't blame the guy. Yeah, and I, I will say this though, I will say this though, that crowd loved Nick Gage. There is a certain section of pro wrestler, pro wrestling fans that love Nick Gage. I don't know how I feel about Nick Gage. I haven't decided yet, uh, but I am absolutely loving everything that Matt Cordona is doing. Is the T-shirts taking the title to Disneyland? It's just smart 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 heel work from him he is absolutely he he is and i don't think matt cardona uh zach Ryder gets enough credit for the influence he had on the landscape of pro wrestling him and colt cabana really helped pave the way uh for where things are right now with z uh z true long island story and the uh colt cabana's podcast i think i think without Either of those two things, I think people would have got there, but I think them being the first ones there is always something that should be remembered. It's funny, you know, I remember it was, I think, eight years ago on We Talk Wrestling, me and Adam having the uh, having the argument. Both were 25 years old. This was when Z Long Island uh, story or whatever, whatever it was there, Z Long Island story. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah, Z True Long Island, something along True those lines. So that's when that was at its height, and it was, like, really, really hot. And he was 25 years old, and Cody was 25 years old. And having the argument, who would you rather have? Adam picked, uh, picked uh, you know, Matt Cardona. He picked, uh, and I picked Cody Rhodes. And But it's interesting that at one point, 
you know, you you would have had to consider him one of the top prospects, one of the top young prospects available out there uh, to make a difference in the in the industry. And and if he had been with a company that cared about its fans and paid attention, he, you know, who knows what he could have been. Do you think what he's doing in Game Changer Wrestling and the work he's putting in, do you think that gets him signed to a uh, a, a company like AEW Impact, somewhere along those lines? I don't think so. No? I, I don't get the feeling that he... I don't, I, I don't get the feeling he has the drive anymore. I think that's the problem. Uh, it, just, it doesn't feel like he has the drive anymore. I think he's happy to work part-time for companies like in the independents. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, his dream was to be in WWE. His dream wasn't to be in AEW. I, I don't think it's so much. I think it's partially him. That I, I just don't think the drive is there and the want is there. No, I, but, I you know, I, 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 he is doing the great work, like you say. So, who knows, maybe I'm wrong. I, uh, well, you have to be wrong at some point, finally. It's, yeah, something or another, you think I'd be wrong, right? Some somewhere along here, where you're you're gonna be wrong. It's gonna be the G1. I'm gonna win this year finally. Yeah, Damn good it. luck with that. I <laughs> I know it's just gonna be frustrating. But uh, overall, I thought you do this type of match once. Don't need to do it again. Uh, Kudos to Jericho for doing it. Hey, they uh, got a totally different match next week. Who were told? You couldn't you couldn't go more 180 degrees. Now, uh, my question to you is this is this is something that's been kind of floating around in my head. Is this the subtle Chris Jericho retirement tour? No. No? no. Okay. No, it's just a storyline. I mean, he put Moxley through it and now he and now MJF just getting heat on MJF. That's all it is. Uh, uh, how do you think the uh, Hoovy Two at Hoovy? Uh, uh, how do you think that match is going to go next week? How do I think it's going to go? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen Hoovy in so long. You know, I think he's just—he's like the same age or younger than uh, than um, Ray, I guess, and Ray still looks good and can do all the stuff he used to do. So I presume Hoovy can do all the stuff that he, he used to do. Who uh, to Guerrero back in the day? The, his nickname he can't go by it anymore. The Youth Warrior, you know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, the idea that Jericho has a win by hitting something off the top rope—that's pretty intriguing, if you ask me. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll have a good match. If nothing else, like the first match with Sean Spears, that was all right. Yeah. And I, I don't have the expectations of a four-star, five-star match or anything. But if it's a three-star match and it's pretty good, then and, and there's lots of crowd heat, like there was with the Spears one, I think, then you have to look at it as a success. Yeah. Uh, who do you think, uh, just, a, just a random prediction, because you're the futurist, who do, what do you think the fourth labor is going to be? I... You know what? Uh, when this one happened, like I was like, who's going to be next? And I was like, on a one, one shot, I was just thinking Braun Strowman at the time. And I don't know who it is, but now it's kind of established that it's likely somebody outside the company. I don't think it can be Wardlow. 
I mean, I think people now have higher expectations than that. So I don't know. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, for the hell of it, I'll say Braun Strowman. All right, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm I'm really curious. I think it may be if if the pandemic wasn't mucking everything up. I I wonder if you could get Lance Storm to do something. If Jericho needed tag team. Oh, partner. I never thought of that. I never thought it still may be possible. Like Jericho has to find a tag team partner, and then you just save it for that week, and then Jericho announces it's uh, it's uh, Lance Storm. I think you'd get a pop from the crowd. Oh, I think that would be really cool. I would uh, wait till week five to do that. You know, it'd be interesting that he'd come in as the heel, but you could tell such a storyline with that, with Storm about to beat him, and then he, he gets, you know, gets uh, nostalgic and doesn't pull the trigger, and Jericho rolls him up, and they hug afterwards and everything. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a few avenues that they can go. Um, the, one of the points uh, last night, uh, last night, last Wednesday on Dynamite was uh, one of the guys in FTR sliced their arms pretty good, uh, and it looked like, like it, from all accounts from Pro Wrestling Insider, it sounds like everything's okay. Uh, but I, yeah, I got. I thought I thought he had a broken arm or something when I saw I, that. I did too, and when it said it was a cut, I was like, oh. The cuts, you kind of manage a cut. As long as it's not a certain type of cut, it should be manageable. And thankfully, it looks like everything was manageable. But I got to commend all four guys in the ring, including the ref, how they handled it. Because I felt all of them stepped up and handled a very awkward and very kind of clunky situation. And it just goes to show... When you're thrown in those situations, you, like you could sit there and you can critique how anyone handles certain situations, but I thought all all four men, especially the ref, stepped up and prevented it from being any worse than what it already was. And it was a freak accident. It was just a freak accident that yeah, happened. Yeah, just a freak thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It was it was handled well, and uh, I can't remember who the referee was for that match, but uh, I remember Aubrey being the referee free for the nick gage match because i kept on going the one thing I, I i have to say this going just going backwards a little bit but i kept on when the light tube stuff or the glass when they did the hurricane on the glass and they showed the people in the audience and it's the same thing that happened when uh when they threw thumbtacks uh the the young bucks threw thumbtacks uh, in somebody's eyes i can't remember who it was uh was it, who was it they threw thumbtacks and they put the thumbtacks was it in eddie? Mouth and everything what's that was it eddie kingston was it Eddie? I, it was Eddie Kingston. Thank you. It wasn't on this week now that you mentioned it. Um, but yeah, when they threw through that, I'm like, at some point, they're going to, something's going to fall in like some audience member's eye. Glass, a thumbtack. They're going to have a massive lawsuit because the, the one thing is they're being a little bit careless with their crowd. I couldn't believe Aubrey stayed, uh, you know, away from all the damage being so close to it. It, it there were definitely a few points when the glass broke and I was like, eh, that could be bad, that could be good, that, that could be bad. Yeah. But Morton, that's what happens when you're a uh, outlaw mud show wrestling promotion. Just just don't know what you're doing at all. Yeah. And you have all the momentum in the world. <laughs> and probably the hottest promotion in pro wrestling. Oh yeah. Without like it's it's not even it's not even close right now. 
Honestly. No. No. Um, but uh, speaking of Outlaw Mud Show, uh, we I think we've hit on everything AEW related. So let's talk about one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And there are there are two things I want to bring up with Vincent Kennedy McMahon and World Wrestling Entertainment. The first one is the announcement of the Blumhouse WWE co-produced limited series on Vince McMahon versus the United States of America, the 1994 steroid trial. So what are your thoughts on this? Because I I let my thoughts fly on the rundown, which you can check out on the Fresh Take Network, which is only available on the We Talk podcast website. Um, what do I think? I think a properly done documentary series or even a movie, but really a documentary series, I think on that would be fascinating. Unfortunately, as soon as you have WWE involved, you know the spin. And the truth is that he was guilty and they got a tip from, uh, Linda McMahon got a tip from at a party with some you know, that uh, they gave them a tip on on something with Dr. Zahorian, and uh, they managed to stay, you know, to stave off the uh, stave off the government, I guess you would say, you know, and, and, and come out of it without uh, without getting found guilty. But I mean, uh, yes, of course, I mean, you know, I mean, steroids was such a huge part of the of the wrestling culture then and it still is you know human gorthoma is still being used obviously um but yeah i mean i i just i think it's a shame that such a fascinating story is going to be you know done by wwe and and blumenthal is partnering with them and and we're not going to get to see the the true real real stuff that would have been so much fun to watch well, and I think one of the things that I, I instantly decred, uh, takes credit away from this is they changed the age of the kids. And I know things like this happen, but they, they've taken the age of Shane and Stephanie and put them in as young children for school. Yeah. And I'm like, that's instantly just done to get baby that's, face sympathy. That's just baby facing him, exactly. Exactly. It's... Oh. it's uh... <sighs> Yeah, that's a, a perfect example of why this thing is is kind of a joke, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a bunch of stories within pro wrestling that would be a fascinating movie limited series to visit. But much like the Hulk Hogan uh, biopic with uh, Chris Hemsworth, this is just going to be fluff. This is just to make everyone look good and be like, oh, look at I how- wonder about the well, maybe it will be, but I, I wonder a little bit about that one. I think that if you make that one fluff, that pe- they would get called out too much, whereas I don't think they will with McMahon. I think people are more, I think that the general public is more aware of, uh, of Hogan's, <laughs> you know, his issues, his discretions and and his you know they're more aware of it than they are vince mcmahon i mean vince mcmahon's kind of off the the pop culture radar to to a degree compared to hogan on on stuff like this so i think i think that they they probably will have to cover that stuff though they'll try and make him look like the baby face still yeah yeah and 
Well, I'm, I mean, there's a whole bunch going on with 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 Vince. I mean, it's not just the one, it's not just the Blumenthal. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different projects going on. With him. And it's, there's the story. ten part uh, Netflix stock. Yeah, that's one of them. I think there's one more as well. I think there's a third, if I remember correctly, as well. I'm so. I'm drawing a blank, but I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, and I I often wonder because it's. It's been long speculated that the moves WWE is making. Let's just get a dark side of the ring 10 part. Oh, man. They they could do a whole season on just Vince stories and Vince McMahon the whole as a whole. There's so much to build and use upon. And oh, you, easily. you no, no longer have to be worried about uh, Vince being the only game in town. No, that's for sure. You know, because he's not. Yeah. <laughs> And I got. I don't know if we've. Uh, we may have talked about this on the podcast, but I long think that that doc somehow, some way, could be tied in with the fact that I do think that this company may potentially be up for sale, and they are trying to low key work on something. And I think Vince I is. Even know, I don't even right. know how low key it is. It's. Point. It's. Like, just some of the moves that they make make me think that they are absolutely. Uh, I wonder. I wonder what broke the straw on the camel's back for Vince wanting to walk away potentially. I would think, if, yeah. I mean, who knows? It's tough to say. You know, being eighty should be. <laughs> I guess he's not quite eighty yet, but he's getting up there. You know, you think that that would be it. I mean, it's long hours, but then again, you can't picture Vince McMahon sitting on his ass. So who knows, man. It just feels like it. It just feels like there's uh, maybe it's that there's he doesn't trust Shane enough, and there's not enough interest from Stephanie, and Paul Levesque is not really family. He is, but he isn't. Maybe that's what it is. And so the the idea of passing it on to the next generation doesn't seem as important or as as you know necess as necessary anymore. I that would be my best guess if I was to make a guess. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, and flipping flipping to the other side of the Vince coin, uh, they had their their call yesterday, and there were some interesting comments said. One of which, there were two of them that I think stand out the most, one of which was the macho, they're not competition, which I do think is just to put, to put it out there. Because if he really, truly doesn't believe AEW is a form of competition, then I think he's... He's clueless, and it's definitely passed him by. But the other one that I think has upset talent, and I think is definitely worth taking a look at, is Vince made a joke basically kind of talking about AEW's investment, being like, oh, well, we'll just release more talent for them. And I think that was meant at a joke. Like, Vince's audio was really low on these calls, and it's, it's all kind of really weird with everything. But talent took offense to what Vince said, because they're like, you cut us. You cut us from making money and sent us out the door, and you're making a joke being like, well, I'll just cut more talent. Ha, Plus ha, the ha. homegrown talent should be pissed off, too. Yeah. Like, you, you, any, any employee, potential employee should hear that and go, why do I want to work for you? Like, that's, that's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit to make a joke like that and be like, oh, we'll cut. Because you cut people multiple times during a pandemic, and a fair number of them have landed on their feet. But there's some of them that 
that could have been that could have been it for them. Paycheck. Well, there's wise, many you know? that didn't. It's not like you know Eric Rowan or something like that is out there getting a lot of getting a lot of uh, making a ton of money or anything. You know, there's a bunch of them that didn't. Yeah. You know, just because there's a few that did, there's a bunch that didn't. So making making light of that, I thought just in poor taste, absolute poor taste, and it it should send a message to talent being like, why do I want to work for you? Well, I think that uh, that's a one of the reasons why we're seeing Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and these guys want to be uh, elsewhere. I mean, I think that the idea of why do I want to work for you already existed. I mean, I think that's that's really a uh, really holding them back. Um, Right now, you know, I mean, when I'm watching this show and I'm watching the entrance for Hangman Page and then the entrance for for the Elite, and you know, you watch the rest of the show and you see what people get to do, and it's both in the ring and on the mic and storyline wise and everything, and just you see the creativity that's being fostered among these people, you know, and the greatness that's coming from it. It, it just that's the biggest difference between the companies is that their their wrestlers are engaged and their fans are engaged too, and you can tell the difference. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised if any. I'd be surprised if anybody says this is where I want to be right now. You know, unless you, if only if you grew up a WWE mark, and there's a few of those, but you know, I think there's less and less all the time. Yeah, and I think I think you're seeing more and more talent go. Like, you can't tell me Brian Danielson is not looking at what Moxley's doing and being like, I want one of those. Mm-hmm. Moxley's having an absolute freaking ball right now, and you can tell this is the most fun Moxley's having. It's so, you know, I was thinking about him and Tanahashi, and I'm like, Man, there would have been a point where if you had said to me, Dean Ambrose versus Tanahashi, I would have been like, oh, I wouldn't put that guy in the ring with him. And now John Moxley, I'm like, it's intriguing. It's, it seems like a Styles matchup, or it's Clash, you know. But uh, I'm like, but his work has been so solid. You know, the guy cares. Um, hmm. it's, it's Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting. And to see a guy like Daniel Bryan think to himself, yeah, I, I I had a lot more creative pull than most people in WWE, but the Federation itself is broke. Uh, you know, what was it that he and, and Cesaro in his book described it as? I think they said it's a parody of pro wrestling. It's not pro wrestling. Um, it's parody of pro wrestling. That should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. And that's how they saw WWE. And they, that's how they got to be... I guess that's how they, they got to live with it. They they managed to live with it because they thought to themselves, okay, it's a parody of pro wrestling. That that was how they made peace with being there, um, was through that. Um, yeah, I, I really think uh, <laughs> I think really think he looks at uh, and same with CM Punk. They look at AEW and think that's not a parody of pro wrestling. That's pro wrestling. That's what it should it, be. And same with New Japan. It really is pro wrestling. Like you. I know that there's. And, there and some... I gotta say this because again, we're being pretty hard on WWE. Lately, the product hasn't been as bad the last few weeks, and it won't be because they're going into into SummerSlam. But it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all old guys from the past and all this type of stuff. It's it's smoke and mirrors. It doesn't fix the core problem of what's happening there. Uh, no, it just no. it just masks it for a few weeks. It's 
And that's one of the things where you're going to have this band-aid, and then where's everything going moving forward? What's going to happen with all your talent? Like, Cena's going to be gone, and you're going you're gonna to move... You're going to have other things move to different spots. But are you... Like, one of the best bright spots, and this will be the last point, and then we'll, we'll get out of here, is one of the best bright spots of... I got one question for you before we do. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm, now, I'm now curious. But I'm going to say my one bright spot for WWE, and he could be an even brighter spot, is Big E. Like, this is a guy that doesn't have to change anything about him because he feels genuine. He feels yeah. real. It feels like Big e, This is a real person. This doesn't feel... Like, if you change him and make him... Because I've heard some comments online go, well, he has to be more serious. He can't be yeah. a main eventer like this. He can't... Uh, Big E can absolutely be a main eventer the way he is, and he should be a main eventer the way he is. He is... He's absolutely everything you want in a performer... And he's a he's a great role model outside of the ring. You pay attention to his social media and his activism, everything that he does. That's a role model for kids. That's a role model that people can go. I I look up to Biggie. You that's saw him when when he came out to talk after after he got the money in the bank and took him wrong. Apollo Cruz and four hundred thirteen other people came out because that's what WWE does. But when he came out and he was cutting the promo about you know he was serious enough. He wasn't he wasn't as serious as a heart attack, but he was serious enough. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 checks off all the boxes for me. He's absolutely a guy and I fear that they're gonna screw this up. They're gonna absolutely screw this up. Because he should cash in on Bobby. Bobby should beat Goldberg and then Big E should cash in because it ties in with all everything that's been happening. I think he should I think he should challenge him straight up and beat him, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, he definitely should. He definitely, the storyline is there. They just, they didn't need Goldberg. That's the funny thing. They have him for twice a year, and they felt like they needed him, and they felt like they had to use him, but they didn't need Goldberg now. If they had gone with Big E, that was the right move. Now, two main events, Cena and Roman, and uh, Big E and Bobby. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think those are top, top-end matches that really matter and are really important. And I think Cena coming back, like I know it's going to be a one-off, but it's still important to have Cena come back and do moments like this because the only only thing that's going to rival Cena's reaction at Money in the Bank is going to be Punk in Chicago. Oh yeah, in fact it'll be and, even bigger. But <laughs> or Brian and Arthur Ashe, that's that's another one that could be a very big a big moment. That would be a big moment. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, no, I I. I Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I really, 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 really hope Tony pays for Cult of Personality and the final countdown. I really think he will. Um, you know, he's paid for other people's. So I think he will. Uh, you know, I wish he would pay for Walk the Dinosaur, but Was Not Was for Luchasaurus. Yeah, that'd be great. I love Jungle Boy's theme song. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it. When you're watching it and you're watching Jungle Boy come out and you're watching just, you know, the Chris Jericho and the this, the people singing the songs and the music being over and the entrances and the and the matches and all this stuff, you know, you're watching everything and it feels like a party in the audience. It feels like people are, are at a big party and they're just taking part in a big party. It's a big party that's happening. 
And it's been a little bit like that because people are hot because they're they've been, you know, they're just they've been cooped up for 18 months. So it's been a little bit of that for WWE, but not to the same degree. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I wish I could say it. It's just not the same. But getting the music, getting the final countdown, getting uh, getting walk the dinosaur, <laughs> getting cult of personality. Yeah, that would be awesome because it would just it just helps continue that party atmosphere. And it just shows to me. We we talk about uh, asset management and being. By the like, way, sports. you know that song was not was walk the dinosaur. I do not. I'm sorry. All right, sorry. right after this, go check it out. I I will. But you, you have something to do. It's a fun, uh, funky little song. It was a big. It was like a number one hit in probably '89 or something like that. I I'll definitely I'll definitely That's put that on. The type of stuff that works. Yeah. Hell, put it on at the end of the show. <laughs> uh what was it? I uh the the one thing that it looks at with asset management and managing your assets, giving certain wrestlers these theme songs and giving going out of your way to do stuff like this, spending money, to me indicates you're invested in your assets. You're invested in the guys in your you company. You said assets. Did I? Yeah, you said assets. There, there. There we go. I I slipped I slipped that. Your assets. Anyways, no, I I'm just not very mature. Uh, yeah, no one no one on this podcast is mature, and the no. most immature one is not here. So there you go. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I mean, it is true though. I mean, investing in the podcast, you can't tell me that doesn't make a difference to the guys. You know. It makes not only is the crowd enjoying the enjoying the music when they when they do something like that or the music they pay for with Orange Cassidy, you know, um, but the guys it means something to them too. It's like you care enough about me to do this, and and hey, you know, if we're talking about well, it's just too much money. We just can't keep doing it. WWE wouldn't do it. They don't spend that kind of money. W, you know, WCW didn't do it. The truth is, when you look at it. Uh, these guys are about to make, uh, you know, they're about to sell. I mean, they've already sold out the building, and they're about to sell a huge audience, you know, or huge pay-per-view buys, whatever it is. If it's 300000 400000 a million, they're making money, you know. They're, they got a good television deal. Invest it back in the product. I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, it's nice to make money, but it's not like the cons need the money. No, no. No, not at all. So spend it. Have some fun. Have some. Exactly. I mean, that's what that's what this whole thing is and always has been. Excuse me. It's been about fun for Tony. And I think I think that radiates in the product. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's hear your question. Martin, I'm all right. Ready. It's just I mean, we talked about it for a moment and, and uh, you know, and then kind of gloss over it. But. Um, do you think Darby Allen is the right guy to face CM Punk? Are you? Would you have gone with somebody else? Is Darby Allen the right guy? And if not, who would you have gone with? So Punk can't lose his first match. I feel like Darby could take a loss and it would be okay. I feel like if Darby takes that loss, he'll get his win back down the line. It, it'll just be a matter of time to get to that point for Darby and Punk. 
but I feel like Darby's arguably one of the guys that is drawing in, drawing the most interest from everyone. Everyone seems to want to work with Darby Allen. It's it's really crazy how uh, over he is with other wrestlers. And the other point is he's really over with the crowd. He's he him and Britt Baker are needle movers. So you're putting one of your big needle movers with Punk, just giving him more exposure. Uh, I think Darby would be okay with a loss because uh, I, I do think Darby will recover quite nicely. Uh, I mean, with Punk, you, you're bringing him in. Once once you've got him in there, in the venue, going again, then you kind of there's a little bit more flexibility, but I could see him being like, I want Darby to be my first match. Oh, I think and, definitely Punk wants to work with him. I think that's a big part of the reason why it's happening, definitely. And, and I think that should be a strong indicator to the crowd and fans that Darby Allen is 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 getting bigger and bigger and bigger for AEW. Yeah, like, absolutely, he is. This is a, and they're invested in Darby Allen. They're absolutely invested in Darby Allen. It's excellent use of Sting, uh, but I think I I think I think this. It, I don't want to see CM Punk versus Sting, by the way. I'll say that. I don't think we will. I don't think we will. Uh, but I think Darby Darby works. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else you could pair him up that can because Punk can't lose. No, Punk can't lose. So I mean that that's that's one of the things about it. Uh, it's a baby face versus a baby face. So uh, do you think that Punk would have been better off with somebody who is a heel? Um, a true heel in that first match. Uh, potentially, like a name that really pops up that could be a a good match. I don't know why it's popping into my head with this one, but uh, Ethan Page could be a good match. But I don't know if he can take another loss. Um, heels can always take another loss because they're heels. Yeah, uh, I think pay, Page. They would have be other ways to get their heat back. I think a pro. I think the promo battle between Punk and Page would be a lot of fun, but I I think in all likelihood this was Punk's what Punk asked to do to kick things off. I think that it's a perfect choice because I think taking a guy who is a homegrown talent like this and uh, you know putting him in against a guy like like Punk gives him the rub even if he loses. You know, and the idea that you're going to give this guy the rub uh, as a as a as a as a guy that we've seen take on other baby faces already. If there's one guy that's a baby face who in AEW has proven he can take on other baby faces and not uh, not lose his popularity, like John Silver and Jungle Boy, and you know, I mean, we've seen him take on other baby faces. He's the one guy who seems to be able to get away with it. Um, so I think I don't think it's going to hurt him or them at all. Like I. I I think he's going to get the the rub from this. I think he's the perfect guy for that reason. He's going to come out of this a bigger star than he is now, and he's already a big star for them. So uh, I think it's a great pick. I think I think I think this is going to pay off. I think this is going to pay off. And I mean, the thing is, it's it's exciting times to be a pro wrestling fan. I know there are some pro wrestling fans out there that are saying that wrestling will be dead in five years and the business is is dead and everything's gone to shit. And I wish this was 
like the old days, but I it think it is like the old days. It's just not the company you're used to. Yeah, that's the thing. But it is like the old days. It's it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to come on and talk talk about it because I've been I've been itching to do uh, more talking. I feel like this is the most excited I've been as a wrestling fan in a long time. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's it's uh it's good times right now if you're a wrestling fan. If you're just a rest, if you're a WWE fan, it's not bad times because you know, like I say, SummerSlam and you got some interesting stuff happening. But if you're a wrestling fan, uh, wrestling first, yeah, big time. This is this is huge for you right now. Like this is a this is a great time. Oh, absolutely. G1's coming up soon. It's, it's that's one of my favorite times of the year. I love the G1. That's so like I'm, Christmas. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready and I'm excited. Uh, Morton, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug for we on the We Talk side of things? Uh, just you know, keep on checking out the site. There's uh, lots of stuff going up all the time. Josh is Josh is a busy beaver. He's just cranking out content. He's got a set schedule. They're putting shows out left and right. It's it's truly impressive. We we like to bug Josh, but it's really impressive what he's able to put out on a, a weekly basis. You said beaver. <laughs> it's like a toddler. It's like a toddler. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to try to get more wrestling podcasts out. Uh, there's a few other things that uh, I've talked with Josh about, you know, some ideas about what we can do. Uh, to engage with you, the audience, a little bit more. So uh, stay tuned for that, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back because I'm sure there's going to be more breaking news. I'm sure Domino's Pizza is going to want to fight Nick Gage in a death match pretty soon. So Yeah, if they lose Domino's Pizza, I think that they're the let, let me see if we can. Can we hear anybody who cares? Nope. No, I think, and there's already other companies that, uh, there's a beer company that's like, hey, we want to be sponsors for you, uh, for AEW. Yeah. So, other companies will see this as an opportunity. So, it's, it's, it is an opportunity. And I, I just got to say, last point, uh, Warner Media put out a press release touting AEW success, and they talked about Nick Gage and Chris Jericho and, uh, how well it did rating wise and in the demo so to me that's just a nice big signature from warner media so uh yeah. i think i think everything's okay hey they knew what was going to happen and they they saw that rating they go 0.45 almost what raw gets and we're paying uh, a fraction of the cost yeah we're okay with this yeah i think i think aw is definitely going to get a nice little pay bump next time their uh, tv contracts up they can keep going. Uh, they they could they could if they shop around as a property, I mean they're gonna get a lot of money and and I think they'll probably be loyal to you know TBS and TNT. But if they shop around, they they're gonna get a a nice a nice bump. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean I if I'm if I'm those guys, I'm like we're gonna have to pony up to keep these guys. I agree, Morton. Uh, I think they're absolutely going to have to pony up. Uh, And this is the end of our show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you stay tuned to everything on We Talk, Fresh Take, and, of course, the One Fall Podcast. And we'll be back with more wrestling news.
goodbye. And good night.